Bay. And Kyle. And this is the Healing Circle. Welcome back. Welcome back. We hope you're not contagious. With, oh, Corona. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still a thing. Yeah. It is. You it thought is. I was talking about the Ronald Isley song? You're contagious. Touch me, baby. Give, Give me what you got. And the man says. Sex. Why were we singing that as children? I don't know, but we I have a young thing. I remember being in literal elementary school and literally having all the words memorized. Listen, gun to my head, <laughs> the world, the world on the line. If y'all need me to sing one song and not miss a single word, I got ad libs. I got R. Kelly part. I got Mona Isley part. I got everything. I can do the little wee wees in the background. All of it. <laughs> the wee wees. Listen, our childhood was, it's crazy how, like, our childhood's so normal. You look back, like, I remember singing the remix to Ignition on the playground. Ooh, popping fresh out the kitchen. Yeah. Mama rolling, nobody got every man in your vision. Oh, Sitting on cooking rum. I'm like, so what? I'm drunk, says third grade me. It's the freaking weekend, <laughs> baby. I'm about to have me some fun. Doing what? Watching cartoons. Right. Obviously, I remember asking uh, my sister, Leah, shout out to you, girl, um, what the meaning of my milkshake brings all the boys to the yards was. And, um, she, she, she just, she really walked around it. She was Mm -hmm. just like, it's, she's just saying all the guys really like her a lot. I'm like, mm. oh, okay. Maybe she's got... I really thought she had, like, real milkshakes. Mm. I was like, oh, because I would definitely go anywhere for a milkshake. Wow. So this all makes so much sense. And then I saw the music video on BET, and I was like, I really don't see any milkshakes. Listen, BET After Dark... I, do you remember that? Bro. I remember being like, My what dad came downstairs, BET After Dark was on. I was like, <laughs> I, what is this? <laughs> it's like, I swear, it's just TV. <laughs> God, we were crazy kids. It's good to know that other people's childhood was just as nuts as mine was. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of shenanigans. So, thank you guys for joining us. Sorry yeah, that we was... ended up on a whole tangent. <laughs> um, well, you know, that's what you get when you listen to a professional podcast. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Before we get started, continuing on our topic about family systems and dysfunctional families, we want to give a shout out to our Patreon. Shout the out inner to... inner circle. Yes. Or the inner circle. If they were any inner, they couldn't be any inner. I don't I don't know where you were going with that, so I'm glad you stopped. I I just got a mental image of a belly button, and you know how I feel about belly buttons. Kyle thinks belly buttons are disgusting. Oh, God, they should not be on our bodies. It's a a one mistake. It's a one mistake he made. They're completely disgusting. Everyone, and I just want you all to know, it doesn't matter if you're an innie or an outie, I hate you all equally. (laughs) Yep. I'm not, I don't discriminate. All belly buttons are gross. Thank you for letting our listeners know, Kyle. Yeah. Anyways, um, we love you guys. Our inner circle is a bomb group of people who are literally a part of our family. Um, They knew about our pregnancy before anyone else knew about our pregnancy. Um, We talk to them candidly, openly. Um, They get to get amazing resources that directly correlate to what we are talking about every single week. So they're getting, um, we just finished a series, a guided meditation series on um, trauma. Yeah. And when we come out with our amazing resources that we're going to be selling soon for our trauma, um, referring to our trauma, uh, what's it called? What's it called? Series? Yeah, that word. <laughs> <laughs> referring to our trauma series, they'll be the first ones to get it and they'll get discounts. So Discounts. They're amazing. They get bomb, bomb, bomb. 
bomb perks. So if you want to join the family and support what we're doing, help us do what we do for free, then join the Patreon. Today, we are talking about families. I'm so... Dysfunctional family roles. Let's get it. Yeah, last week we talked about the family hero. And we talked about a whole bunch of things. If you have not listened to it, please go back. It it doesn't necessarily build on each other, but I think it gives a more complete understanding of what the family is. Mm-hmm. So that matters, um, especially because it's a system. All these roles yeah. interact with each other. So if you missed the family hero, you should absolutely go back and listen to that. Um, today we're talking about the scapegoat, and I'm excited about it because the scapegoat is literally the mortal enemy of the family hero. If you know two people in a family, your family, someone else's family, who are like complete enemies, right? Yeah. Or always butting heads in some way, mm-hmm. there's a good likelihood that one of them's a hero of the family and one of them's a scapegoat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I wanted to throw this in for... Um, the Family Heroes for our podcast last time. I was listening to it and I was like, oh man, I really want to throw this in. So I'm going to throw it in now. So for the Family Hero, another thing to realize is it can be really difficult for the Family Hero to develop um, long-lasting friendships. It can either be really easy because it's a place where they get to be cared for and loved in a way that they have it in their family. Um, Or it can be really difficult for them because other people even when they're just being themselves, other people can feel like they're trying to dominate them. Yeah. You know, the family hero in a friendship may look like somebody who's always trying to provide a moral compass when nobody's asking for it. Mm. <laughs> it may be the person who's like, this is what you should do, and then when you don't take their advice, they take it personally. Yeah. Right? So um, have grace with your friends who are family heroes and recovering family heroes. You should get them to listen to the podcast if you feel like there's someone who is a family hero and isn't recovering but needs to recover yeah right yeah i mean because they're they're just trying to act out what is safest to them in your friendship that can be really really annoying i used to be a very annoying friend now i'm only a little annoying i think (laughs) um but i i had a community that loved me and, and cared enough to be like hey like you know we're like we're equals well, right yes. <laughs> you know yeah, like that's the perfect way I, of putting it. i'm asking for your opinion i don't need your advice necessarily like yeah yeah we're just friends we can just be friends you don't have to teach me anything hmm. yeah and in christian circles the family hero is always the person who's trying to disciple you <laughs> always like, got oh, a word is always a person who's like oh i have a word of wisdom like mm-hmm. oh i got something to share with you oh, i got and it's it's usually the person who wants to um, lead you to Christ, but never mm-hmm. display the humility of Christ. Yeah, they're always jumping up on the cross. Get yeah. off the cross. We need the wood. There's all only right? space for one, all right? <laughs> we only got space stuff for to one. do. <laughs> right. Anyways, we're going to jump to the scapegoat now. I just wanted to throw that in there because I didn't want you guys to miss that. So, the scapegoat. The scapegoat is literally the opposite of the hero, right? Why? Because they're seen as the problem of the family. So one is the solution to the family, the hero. Mm -hmm. The scapegoat is a problem of the family. They're often seen as the black sheep of the family, um, and they have a hard time relating or fitting into the family. Um, Their behavior can be seen as bad, never good enough. They're always making mistakes. They're always bringing up problems. Um, And that can lead to them feeling impulsive or angry. Um, When I think about the scapegoat, I think of either the person who's just really struggling to 
relate to people in their family and really struggling to deal with external things that bring emotional turmoil. Mm -hmm. But also, excuse me, I think that sometimes the scapegoat is really, is like the hero undercover. Hmm. So I think that oftentimes the scapegoat is a person who sees the dysfunction of the family the clearest Mm. and tries to speak against it. And because (laughs) there are more people on the side of the hero, they're looked at like, what's wrong with you? Everything's fine. Why are you never satisfied with the way we do things? Yeah. Right? So an example of that might be a family might have a dysfunctional way of communicating. By dysfunctional way of communicating, a way of communicating that mirrors abuse Um, a way of communicating that devalues what certain people have to say Mm -hmm. or only listens to people when people are screaming at the top of their lungs, right? Only listens to people when they're being passive-aggressive or um, if you're being direct, you're too aggressive, things like that. Or disrespectful if you try to say anything directly. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. And us black kids, we be knowing. You can be like, Mom, that hurt my feelings. That disrespect. <laughs> Who do you think you're talking to? And it's like, whoa. In fact, my day, they would have killed you for saying that. It's like, I just said that it hurt. Right. Uh, my bad. Right, right. Or can we talk? Like, I don't talk to children. You know? <laughs> and um, yeah. so I, I I think, I don't know, I, I think I identify as the scapegoat. Oh. <gasps> Whoa, it's one of those moments, huh? It's one of those moments. Um, I think I identify as a scapegoat because I think that there are times where I can see, like, oh, yeah, this is this is normal for us, but there's something better for mm-hmm. this system. Mm-hmm. And you want to be much better if we could all sit down and talk. <laughs> you want to be much better if, like, instead of saying food's ready, we could just say I love you, you know? Yeah. And I think that um, what happens for this scapegoat is they end up feeling perpetually unheard. It's kind of like running on a treadmill, you know, Mm -hmm. being on a hamster wheel. They're running and running and running, and they're trying to point out all these mistakes and trying to fix all these mistakes at the same time with no support, um, which then turns into, like, this explosive anger. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, that, you know what? That that actually kind of makes sense. And even... I'm I'm just looking in my own family and trying to figure out, oh, who would the scapegoat be? And Uh, you know, always protect the innocent and all that. But I do think if you're trying to figure out, okay, was I a scapegoat or was I something else? In the way that I understand it, at least, I can remember one of my siblings getting in trouble for something that none of the other, the rest of us would get in trouble for doing. It'd be like they didn't do the dishes or all the dishes the right way. And while everyone else might like get talked to about it and then have to redo it, like maybe this person might like for real get in trouble or it's just like and there's an unequal weight an unequal attention in a negative way just like the the family hero has an unequal attention in a positive way everything that they do well they really get praised for um but the scapegoat everything that they do negatively or not even negatively against the family system or in odds to the direction the family is moving they're getting an incredible amount of attention too yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I see why you say they kind of, they're almost two sides of the same, same coin. coin. Yep, absolutely. So the scapegoat on the inside, um, they may have this hard, angry, um, defensive, callous, um, outward appearance, right? But on the inside, they're feeling shame, they're feeling hurt, and they're feeling rejection. And I think rejection is one of the huge 
um, components to someone who feels like a scapegoat, right? Hmm. Because not only are they feeling rejection, because they are being treated differently, they're constantly experiencing rejection. Yeah. So it's this positive feedback loop, you know, um, where it's like, I'm feeling rejection and then I get rejection and I feel rejection and I get rejection and I yeah. feel rejection and I get... Or is that a negative feedback loop? Well, in the... In your clinical sense, it's positive because it keeps moving. It doesn't stop. Right, right, right. right. In the way that people hear it, it'd be a negative feedback loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, and so on the the inside, they feel like there's so much potential for us to succeed and so much potential for me to succeed, but externally, they're constantly being reminded that they're a failure. Mm. They're constantly being reminded that someone's ideas are being listened to. It's just not yours. Mm. So in the ways that the family... So the family hero... Um, going back to our last conversation, the family hero is almost bolstered or lifted up by the family unit, mm-hmm. by the rules of the unit, by the structures of the unit. Yeah. In many ways, either they have fit themselves into the mold, yeah, um, or they, or the mold has fit themselves around them. So yep. they they find a lot of freedom within that family unit, but the scapegoat, they feel pressured or tamped tamped down or. Yeah restricted by all of the same exact things because it is built towards a certain way of being. Mm -hmm. And this scapegoat, by definition, is typically kind of a rebel in some sense. Yep, yep. They're the person always trying something new, right? They're the person always, always doing something that is not necessarily needed, right? And when you think about the scapegoat, they're providing distraction and focus to the family, Mm. right? So they're... They're, they're easy to blame when you think about the person who's getting in trouble more than the other and I don't necessarily yeah. feel like that was the case for me but like when you're looking at someone who is getting in trouble more than everyone else they are kind of like excuse my language like the dumping grounds of the family mm-hmm. right there's already this underlying dis not dislike but there's already this underlying lack of preference for this yeah. person there is a sense that that person is not on the same team yes you know yep. everyone else is moving in the same direction yep. we are the x family this yep. is what we do and then you've got the person in the back that like isn't pushing it along doesn't seem to care isn't fitting into it and so yeah. it's not like oh we don't love this person it's just like it's almost like the person in the family that when you say their name everyone else kind of rolls their eyes a little bit like okay yeah here they go again oh you have some you you have another thing you don't like about what we're doing yep what a surprise go yep. ahead and say it you yep, know yep, yeah yep and that sentiment that that makes it so easy to to disproportionately assign anger frustration and blame to that person yeah right because there's already a sense of you're already other than us right and so if there's someone to be angry excuse me if there's someone to be angry at it's going to be the scapegoat, yeah. right? That's the nature of them being the scapegoat, right? And so the dysfunction that the scapegoat is experiencing um, is that... So the, the hero is the sponge when it comes to responsibility. The scapegoat is the sponge that absorbs all of the bad things that the hero can't handle, mm. right? So the hero struggles with handle, handling critique. The hero struggles with handling loss and failure and rejection, right? Those are all the things the hero is trying to escape. Yeah. But the scapegoat has to deal with that regularly in the family system, right? And what's frustrating is that the hero will oftentimes have this 
love-hate relationship with the scapegoat yeah. because the closer the hero is to the scapegoat, the greater, um, the more stark the comparison the is. Yeah. Yep. The most, the more stark the comparison is. So you'll often find the hero and the scapegoat kind of yoked together mm. um, in a way that, I don't want to say abusive, but in a way that capitalizes on the scapegoat's ability to, to handle pain. Yeah, not to be gross, it's almost... <laughs> it's kind of parasitic you yep. know it's yeah absolutely. and it is it does kind of go two ways right so the the family hero is trying to maximize the disparity and look at how great i am i'm always close to the person who doesn't fit the social norms or the family norms and then the scapegoat on the other hand well they they're still human beings they yep. still crave attention yep. and affection and affirmation and since the family hero is kind of the the magnet for all of those things, the closer they are to that person, the more likely that they get some of the leftovers. Yep, yep. And and it's a it's a pairing that leaves the scapegoat getting attention, positive attention, in the most periphery of ways. Yeah. Right. So the scapegoat is like, I'm going to be yoked to you because it's parasitic in a way, but yeah. the scapegoat's getting something out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're getting like the residuals. <laughs> Of the hero and the scapegoat's like, well, I mean, this is the only way anyone's going to care about me in this family is if I'm yoked to you. Yeah. Right. And so that's why they're always it's kind of like this magnet. You know, if you like turn over a magnet, sometimes it'll like come together and then you mm -hmm. turn it over and then like it literally will not <laughs> come together at yeah. all and it'll, it won't like click. That's what's happening with the scapegoat and that's what's happening with the hero. And you can't really conceptualize the scapegoat's position in the family apart from the hero. Right. Mm, yeah. S side note, mm -hmm. I really don't want to take this off track. So feel free to be like, nah, bro. Do you think this this relationship we're talking about, scapegoat, hero, does this show itself more often in twins? Mm, like, I'm, I don't have that relationship, but we both know. And anyone who's listening has... If they've ever met a group of twi twins, there's a good chance you know a group of twins that cannot stand each other. Yeah. But they love each other. Or but, twins that are like BFFs. Yeah. Yep. Either or. <laughs> and it always kind of, I was like, man, how do you end up in a situation where you're with someone who is so much like you and yet you have so much tension between the two of you? Mm. Because I don't have that experience. But I'm, yeah. I'm noticing in my mind, I'm like, man, I know a lot of twins. Like now that they're adults, they kind of okay, they're okay with each other, but growing up, like, they could not stand each other. I mean, they loved each other. They were yeah. family, but they did not get along, and there was this tension between them. I'm wondering yeah. if that's a thing. No, I, I think that it's very possible, especially because you have two people coming in, and I don't want to say it's all dependent on birth order, but I think birth order comes into it. Yeah, yeah it's huge. I think that's a huge component. I mean, I don't... Most heroes... I think, begin as the first child. Yeah. You know, that's what they're taught because they've been with the parent longer. Mm -hmm. And so they're absor absorbing the parent's spoken and unspoken rules, which yep. gives them kind of... And that's a situation... They have an advantage. They mm -hmm. know the rules before anyone else. Yep. And that can be a situation where they are... Um, kind of placed in this role as a hero instead of having kind of like choosing it. Yeah. You know? So I think that that's something that is... Um, very true and i think something that rather something that can be very true um when it comes to twin because i think there's already this natural context of comparison that's set just by nature of their birth order yeah yeah so when a scapegoat is operating in this role and especially when it's dysfunctional 
like everyone, they have walls. They have things that they put in place to protect themselves from the reality of their situation. And they manifest in all these different character traits, but there's a few that are, are typical for a scapegoat. So one, this is someone typically who acts out. In whatever yeah. way within the family unit acting out is, right? Because it, yeah. it doesn't always look like, oh, they graffitied the house. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it could be that, but it could just be being off uh, where the family is on. Um, typically, they have some sullenness. So they're like, not sad, but there's almost always this sort of Burdened. negative filter through yeah. their interactions because they are actually viewing... They're viewing their world through a completely different lens than everyone else has. They're not experiencing the same thing while in the same room. Mm -hmm. And people aren't experiencing them the same way either. They're not getting any of those benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, They can oftentimes be really sensitive. Sensitive in the negative way as far as like having a short fuse or always feeling attacked. Um, Mm -hmm. But also in the positive way of being discerning of emotions that other people don't see, mainly because they're feeling emotions that other people aren't expressing or feeling. Which I think is the foundation of why they want to go against the grain. It's because they can sense when they can sense inauthenticity. Yeah. And so they're like, this isn't authentic. Why don't we change it? Everyone's like, nope, nope, nope. This is how it is. We stay here. Yeah. And they can often come um, come across as hostile. Especially to the family unit. Maybe people outside of the unit don't always view them that way, but the internal unit views them as hostile, as almost an enemy to the to the rest of the family. Someone Mm -hmm. that the rest of the family has to be almost protected against. So you'll see these ways that the family will almost guard themselves against that scapegoat. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll create activities that they know that the scapegoat doesn't really want to join into, so that they can say oh, they didn't want to join, but really they did not pick an activity that would fit that scapegoat, right? Mm. There's all these different ways that the family unit, because they do in some way view that person as a threat, they try to protect. And because they still love that individual, for the most part, um, it's not like, go to your room, you can't be with us, but it may be that sort of situation where they allow an environment where it's not a safe or comfortable place for that person. And they continuously allow that environment because it's safest for the rest of the unit. Yeah. So yeah. That, that scapegoat ends up building these walls where not only are they already kind of viewing through things through this negative prism, but they have a they have an uncharitable view of the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's a really true and honest view. Because yeah. they are actually seeing a completely different side. Yeah. But it can manifest as this wall that, that makes it difficult for them to build real relationships, mm-hmm. intimate relationships within the family unit, where yep. everyone feels like they don't know this person. Yeah. Even though they're in the same house or they're in the same place, that they just, you always feel like there's something between you and them, and every conversation is filtered through these lenses no one can really process. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so there's a lot of walls and, and bricks in those walls for the scapegoat. Yeah, and I think that when you think about the scapegoat outside of their family of origin, outside of the system, mm. those walls still exist. So you think about the hero as someone who's always trying to fix and provide a solution to mm-hmm. someone. You can see the scapegoat in their friendships at work, which can be, you know, adaptable. And their friendships at work and their intimate relationships always trying to fix things. Yeah. Always. So they're not trying to provide a solution. They're always providing a critique. 
Yeah. Right. And like yeah. that is their safest position is I'm going to continue to critique you and hope that you will get to see that you need to be fixed. Mm. Right. Because the reality is the people they're around are probably more likely to hear them yep. than their families. And so it's kind of like this. They're searching for this corrective emotional experience outside of their family, not realizing that they're ostracizing themselves from the um, emotional connection that they've been looking for the entire time so they're on one side of the coin you're getting a corrective emotional experience because you're providing critique to other people and they're listening but on the other side you're experiencing this emotional recapitulation because you aren't getting the love once again you are once once again distancing yourself from intimacy Um, and as someone who I think the most identifies as a scapegoat I think that the struggle is defensiveness. Mm. The scapegoat is safest in the family system when they are defensive, right? When yeah. they are distant, defensive, calculated, right? But those are things that don't work in intimacy. Yeah. Right? So the the scapegoat, because they're always critiquing people internally, and this is where they kind of mirror the hero, internally are internally critiquing themselves. Yeah. Right. And like they sometimes can have this moral high ground of like, okay, you need to fix this. That means I need to fix this. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You need to do this. That means I need to do this. And they're constantly longing for intimacy. Yeah. Right. And that's why they're they're yoked to this hero. Right. They're constantly longing for intimacy, but never really getting it because they're not creating an environment where they can experience it. Yeah. And you'll also see them yoked to heroes in real life. Mm -hmm. You know, like outside their family system, you'll see them yoked to people who other people see as heroes. um, And sometimes they won't even know why. Yeah. Like, I feel like I started noticing that, like, probably when I was in college, maybe, mm-hmm. before my relationship with the Lord, and, and things changed, like an unhealed scapegoat. Un- I guess, yeah. An unhealed scapegoat. You'll find them constantly the sidekick. Yeah. I like to call them gatherers. People mm. who are popular, but they're not popular with any single group. They're the person That's a word. that is friends with everybody in every group. They have a, a safe place within each specific kind of unit. Yep. And that's that's something they are typically doing intentionally. Um, they may not no- be knowingly doing it, but the actions that they take are intentional to foster an environment where they have eight groups of friends None of which are like their real true core group. Yeah. But each group allows them in and gives them a, a special place. And so they end yeah. up in a place where, again, I call them gatherers because they've gathered these units together. And outside looking in, they have more friends than anyone else. They've got yeah. friends from nine different groups. Yeah. But if you spoke to them truly, they probably feel the least known yeah. of they anyone. Lack intimacy. Yeah, because they lack intimacy with any particular unit and that's because of that defensiveness trying to keep things at arm length arm's length while also trying to pull in as much of the hero um dynamics that they've been longing for as possible Mm -hmm. yep 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 and so this is the person and not saying like oh you need to give friends special attention but this is the person that you can have the real conversation with. I think I've talked about before how my friend Alicia was just like, you know, you get real close and then you get real distant. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. you will talk every day and then you won't answer my text for three weeks. <laughs> you know, and like, I'm realizing that's a pattern I have. Yeah. Right? Because like, distance is safest to me. 
like I don't have to deal with making you mad. I don't have to deal with ma- saying something to make you angry, mm-hmm. right? And like obviously that's dysfunctional, and that's something I'm working through in my own life and my own um, therapy. But realizing that the scapegoat is longing for intimacy but does not know how to create a life that is conducive to receiving it regularly, mm. right? And, like, that's that's their yeah. learning point, right? So when we talk about the scapegoat and their redemptive qualities, the scapegoat is a person who can go from victim to thriver like that, right? Yeah. The unhealed, the unhealed scapegoat is a victim, yeah. right? And when I say victim, I don't mean, like, the, like, oh, you're a victim, poor you, get over it. But oftentimes, they truly are a victim to constant rejection, truly are a victim to constant scrutiny, constant anger, whatever it is. And what happens is it can be easy to stay there. Mm -hmm. It can be easy to dwell on, especially once you leave your family system and begin to reflect, it can be easy to dwell on, this is all I've experienced, it's rejection, all I've experienced is no one listening to me, no one hearing me. But once the... Once the scapegoat begins to heal, once they begin to understand the core values of kindness, right, and mm-hmm. and morality and wellness that they hold on to, they can take that victim mentality and turn it into something that makes them a thriver, right? But they yeah. have to let go of the idea of being all good or all bad. Unless you do things my way, this is not good. Yeah. That's the way that the the scapegoat thinks. And I know there were times where I've thought about that. Mm. Unless you do it exactly this way, it's not good, right? And that lack of grace to other people is often about lack of grace towards themselves. And so for the scapegoat who is healing, um, the goal is to go from victim to thriver. But also I think about the scapegoat in friendships. Yeah. How the person who's like... You're stupid. You're dumb for not doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the hero's like, let's figure out how to solve this. And the scapegoat, you're just dumb. Yeah. Right. Because the idea is, I'm always right. Mm-hmm. I have a monopoly on morality. I'm seeing things no one else is seeing, which yeah. in some senses may be true. true. Yep. 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 Um, I'm holding myself to a higher standard, and I'm not going to hold you to anything less than what I'm holding myself to. Yeah. Right. And what they don't realize is sometimes they're enslaving themselves. And so they're enslaving other people and they don't realize that in that they are perpetuating the same system that caused them to feel rejected. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the scapegoat is the, the hero and the scapegoat are kind of the two starkest realities. They're like opposite ends of the spectrum as far as dysfunctional family roles. And we talked about ways that, okay, this whole, this whole series we want to build a lens through which you can view people in your life who are complicated with more empathy, with more charity, to try and understand that the way that they act, the way that they um, move through life is not a function of them being annoying, that actually they have real trauma, real issues, real family dynamics that have made who they are the safest them they can be. Mm. What we'd love for you to do with armed with a little more information about the scapegoat is to look for them in your life. They exist at your job. There's someone that everyone is annoyed by constantly. Yep. And it's they're almost the popular person to not like. Look for the popular person to not like in your family, Mm. in your friend group, in your job. 
in your church, wherever, because there's a good chance that that person, yes, may have some some behavioral ways that they can like be more accommodating to traditional friendships and relationships, sure. Yeah. But they are likely dealing with a legacy of being, I don't want to say abused because that word has become dramatized, but they've been a scapegoat for a long time. They have received an excessive amount of negative attention. And so sometimes what you need to do with a scapegoat is to intentionally go easy on them, not to like give them a pass on being an adult or whatever, but just recognize, okay, well, you saying you critiquing them in this moment isn't just critiquing them in this moment. You are piling on to the 200,000th critique they've gotten in their mm-hmm. life and 100,000 of them were not reasonable and yeah. weren't fair, right? So so there's a context. As you think through this and as you like kind of listen to this episode, look for the scapegoat and look for ways that you can see them because yeah. typically that is what they're actually looking for to be seen and be received. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about what happens when the scapegoat leaves the family, because I think that's where we ended the last episode. Yeah. When the scapegoat leaves the family, there is a sense of unrest in the family Mm -hmm. because there's no dumping ground anymore. Yeah. So when the scapegoat begins to heal and become someone who's thriving, and sometimes a thriving scapegoat is someone who doesn't say anything to the family system. Yeah. Right? They still participate, you know, or if they want to, but they may be someone who's like, I'm just not going to... I'm going to live a life congruent with my values. Yep. You guys live a life congruent with your own values, and I'll respect your values just as much as I respect my own. Yep. I right? want you, but I don't need you. Yeah, and I'm not going to beg you to take on my values anymore. I'm just going to live in my values because that's what I want to do, right? Yeah. That's what a healthy person who at one point or another was a scapegoat will do. But what that can do is it can leave the family in unrest, Right. Because Mm -hmm. if a scapegoat is living within someone who was a scapegoat is living within their values, they're not going to allow someone to dump on them. Yeah. You know, and then what then guess what happens when they heal? Everybody has to learn how to emotionally regulate. Yep. And that's frustrating to them. Right. Because that's a burden to learn how to deal with their own emotions, to learn how to deal with their own feelings, to learn how to process their own anger and frustration. I can't just put it on you anymore. Yeah. And to recognize that the system is fundamentally flawed. Yep. Because when you've been blaming all the flaws on the system of the system on one person. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're the reason this whole thing doesn't work the way it should Mm -hmm. when they leave. And more importantly, when they leave and then they thrive, proving that the system was not keeping them successful, if anything, it was tamping them down, then the family system that's left has to reconcile, okay, well, now that we don't have anyone to blame, what do we do with the large gaping hole we've been stepping over in the living room for the last 20 years? Yeah. How do we address that? And more importantly, how do we reconcile that this person who we felt was bringing us down has now soared simply because we are no longer involved. Mm. That that turns the family, to, uh, that forces them to look inwardly and to maybe for the first time ever consider like, man, maybe all these things we value aren't very good. Yeah. And if these things we value aren't good, 
what does that say about yeah. me? Yeah, if I created these values. What does that say about the hero who yeah. is the champion of all the values? Yep. What does that say about the matriarch and the patriarch who established what's worthy of praise? Yeah. It's a it's a ripple effect. We, and we could go is. another 20 minutes. Go ahead, babe. We could, and I, I, we won't go another 20 minutes. But I think that this is also a really dangerous place for a family system to be because they're itching for someone to blame. Yep. A family who is on a track of health and wellness is a family that's going to begin to turn inwards and say, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to fix? Yep. Now that this person's gone and I can't blame them for this, how do I need to change? How do I need to pivot? But you know what the family often does? They find a new scapegoat. And you know who the opposite of the scapegoat is? The family hero. And guess what the family hero's worst nightmare is? Being a scapegoat. That's right. <laughs> and that's how trauma works in a family system, right? That's how it turns into um, a situation where you think that your your childhood experiences are static. They're ever-changing. Yeah. What happens when the scapegoat passes away? How do they grieve somebody that they've <laughs> disdained in this family system for so long? Whoa. Right? <laughs> like, I'm telling you, it, it, yeah. it gets complicated, yeah. especially the older we get. As our parents get older, as our grandparents pass away, as our as we are dealing with parents who may have been the scapegoats in their own family mm-hmm. and now have a chance to be the hero and then make their kid a scapegoat because they can't deal with being a scapegoat again. Yep. Not, you know, not a second time around. Yep. Right? And so there's so much that comes into play in all of this and this is the foundation of trauma why because it's the foundation of where we get our values from yep you know and it filters and it follows right and and we're we're gonna do some patreon episodes where we talk about all of these different family roles through the lens of this is us because not only does it help us protect our own families and, and allow them to heal in a safe space but also it's like the best show on TV so it's a great and they act out these roles in these to very complex ways to a T yep. and so what you're going to find even as like okay if you marry a scapegoat yeah you know <laughs> you marry a scapegoat you're getting someone who's wonderful but it's no surprise that very often you find scapegoats end up marrying heroes yep or hero or former heroes, right? Because yeah. just like we talked about before, mm. it within the family unit, they seem to link up. They have yeah. this almost opposites attract sort yep. of a situation. Yep. Maybe you've heard that phrase before um, when we talk about love, yeah. right? So these family issues, these family roles, they don't stay within the family. They follow you when you leave it, and then they are either they either healed mm-hmm. or they are modified in your next relationship. Come on. And so it's important to understand each of these because there's a good chance at some point in your life you're going to fit in in all four. Yeah. So yeah. so you, you want to understand what's unhealthy about it and what the what the benefits are, what the privileges and the joys of being in that position are. Yeah. Um, because you will experience them at some point. Yeah, and it's it can be frustrating and confusing when you find friendship in people who, like two scapegoats finding friendship in each other can either find like this deep and abiding camaraderie or they can look at each other like, no, I, I'm the one who sets the moral high ground. Yeah. No, I'm the one who sets the moral I'm high I'm the ground. one that sees things other people don't see. You can't also see the things. Listen, and y'all don't want to talk about this in systems of ministry because oh, ministry God. attracts a very s- specific type of person. You have a whole bunch of heroes in a room yep. following someone who's also a hero and everyone's trying to be the hero. Yeah, and no one wants hero. to be a scapegoat. Nope. When actually the gospel would say that that is the most likely role of a 
of a leader yeah. in faith yep. is to be the scapegoat. Yep. Specifically. Whoop. Which is, you know, we have issues with the American church because of this dynamic. Yep. Because of this inability to modify these family roles in yeah. a healthy way. So yep. yep. And then what happens if the scapegoat does get to be the person who's leading the ministry and the person called to follow them are heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Well, yeah. Well, that's how you get a church split, guys. Okay. <laughs> and so so we're going to talk about this and more with so our Patreon. Um, we're going to talk about it through the lens of This Is Us. We're going to talk about it more specifically through the lens of interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, romantic relationships. Yep. And, and we're going to go deep because this is the, like she said, it is the foundation of mental health and trauma. Yeah. It is where we all start from. It's where it starts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's where it starts, right? And even thinking, I'm going to stop at some point, I promise. But, like, thinking about a, an only child, how in different seasons of the parent's marriage, they can yep. take on any one of these roles. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us and talking with us. Again, if you want to hear the episodes where we break this down in a more relatable way, utilizing This Is Us, y'all, you know I got some thoughts. If you listen, watch this season finale, listen. That was literally the epitome of what we just talked about today. But we'll go into a little more depth um, in the bonus episode specifically for our Patreon. So if you want to join the family, get resources, find out who you are, use utilize journal prompts to discover what role you play in your family of origin but also what role you're playing in your friendships and your romantic relationships and even in ministry join 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 we would love to have you um thank you guys for joining us until the circle comes back around we'll talk to you guys soon bye bye guys hey everybody thank you so much for tuning into the podcast please don't forget to rate review and subscribe it really helps people figure out who we are and what we're doing and gets the podcast out to a wider audience Also, we have just launched a Patreon. In that, you'll have access to guided meditations, spiritual discipline sessions, even some live Q&As about mental health. And most importantly, you'll actually get first dibs to merch. Um, If you've ever looked at our website, uh, you'll see a Protect Your Peace hoodie. That'll be dropping soon. So visit the show notes and join the family.